Vanessa Carroll. She never really had a, like, a, uh, like a. She just did that a thousand miles and she gave up. Like. Yeah, but she did twelve hundred kilometers after that. <laughs> and there uh, we go. Um, hello, you're very welcome along. Pub talk. Can't remember what episode it is. We're back at it again. Yeah, flying. Uh, bank holiday Monday. Ish. Well, it hasn't really been a bank holiday, has it? It's been very strange. I don't know about you. I was heading into town on Friday. Right. And I was on the dart about four four o'clock. Beautiful sunny Friday evening. Bank holiday. There wasn't a soul around. Bizarre. Wow. It's, a, it's an amazing how quickly the human mind becomes conditioned to what's going on around you. Like if you had have said a thousand. Yes. If you'd have said, I don't know if I said a thousand there. If you had have said uh, the October Bank Holiday weekend 2019, this is what it's going to look like. Or the August Bank Holiday. 2020. 2020, even. 2020 even, yeah. yeah. Nearly getting it. Yeah, you're nearly there. But if you said that, people are like, what happened? Whereas now it was just normal. There's yeah. nobody around. It's crazy. Yeah, what was it? Um, we're living in unprecedented times. <laughs> stop with this nonsense. Anyway. Well, how did you spend? So a couple of drinks on Friday evening, Carl, in uh, in Dublin's fine city centre. and Went to, yeah, uh, very nice with a few of the, the fellas. And then I went up north yesterday, Sunday, uh, up to Coney Island. Lovely. Well, family of a little place up there, so we went up there, played golf in our glass. Beautiful golf course. Really Ard glass. Ard glass. Ard glass. Um, according to a plaque on the wall, the oldest clubhouse in the world, 1405. Go away. There's no way that they were playing golf in 1405. Or what, I don't know what constitutes a clubhouse, but anyway, that's what it is. Um, beautiful golf course, though, right on the sea. Very scenic, nice golf course. Is there a nice Coney Island in... New um, York, yeah. In New York, yeah, there is, there is, yeah, and <gasps> um, there's also one in Cork, I think, as well. But it, I think Coney Island is the Coney Island from the Van Morrison song. Coney Island, they played up there, and I played absolutely awful golf. What are you? Some of the worst golf I have ever played in my life. Wow, my my golf swing has coronavirus. I need a, an intervention from a golf coach because there's something wrong with my swing, and it's just very frustrating. There was balls gone into. Into the sea at a rate of knots. An intervention from a golf coach, as you said, and an exorcism from a priest. Yeah. And then, yeah, some form of rectal exam as well, I'd say. Oh! But anyway, um, it was really really lovely just back there. Now, I love a long drive. How long is that drive up north to Coney Island? It's it's actually not that far as the the crow flies. But what the issue is, you drive essentially to Newry and then you go up towards Coney Island and it's just back roads and there's a lot of ducking and weaving um, unmarked roads and they drive like snot in Northern Ireland nice. I, just, I don't like driving as well on these windy roads they're 80 kilometres an hour it's only 50 on the dual car rates 80 up there in the back back arse roads and I remember actually just on that idea of um, mental speed limits on back arse and nowhere country roads yeah. I remember having a little um, getting into a little tussle with, uh, with uh, an RV um, I was driving a little uh, Peugeot at the time, um, and when we we clapped, we clattered uh, wing wing mirrors. And, okay. And your man got out of his car. He picked my wing mirror off the ground and he threw it in the direction of my head, um, and he said, "You nearly murdered my family." Right. Uh, now he wasn't far wrong, but he suggested I was flying along the road at something like seventy-five, and I said, "Sure, isn't the speed limit eighty? Um, he was not best pleased. No, I'd say he wasn't. But it, no, but it's mad. But it, it was good. But it just makes the drive a little bit tiring. But it's not too far. Anyway, yeah. what were you up to yourself? Well, a quiet few days. Um, a reasonably somber end to the week. We lost a um, 
this is one of the first times, Carl, that I'm actually saying uh, correctly, the late and great um, Elsie, my mother's um, aunt and my grand-aunt, the closest thing to a grandmother I would have had grown mm-hmm. up. Um, now, she passed away, Carl, um, but happy yeah. and content mm-hmm. with herself and her life and her experiences at the end of the days, uh, at the end of her days. And I was struck, as I was with the passing of my grandfather only a mm-hmm. year ago, um, by, by this ease. And the acceptance that her time had come. And like my granddad, Elsie was a woman of great religious belief and mm-hmm. faith. Right? Yeah. Oh, God. Whereas in stark contrast, Carl, since I was maybe seven or eight years old, now I do have a little story. I can remember the moment I decided that fell up in the sky. He's not for me. He's not real. Yeah, I, des- yeah, I decided that age seven or eight. You would always... Yeah, Stuck milit- me as a as a as an atheist, militant atheist. That's, I would say. Ever since I've known you, you've you've, you've yeah, been a non-believer. Non-believer. What about yourself, God? How do you feel about um, Jesus, Moses, uh, Simon, David, God the Father, the Holy Spirit, and religion? Where do you stand on it? Where where is your belief structure at? It's a really tough one. I think. Thanks, God. Um, I was actually thinking about this. Uh... God, can I interrupt you, lads? There's an aggressive-looking cat. <laughs> um, a black and white cat. Um. <laughs> Go on now, do that. And it can. Um, where do I stand on this? Yeah, I believe in God. I think it's probably the the the, the short answer to it. Okay. But it is unmercifully complicated, and I would say that as a well, I'd like to think a logical man. If yeah. you sat down with a, com- a conversation and someone would be able to point to all of the things in the world that prove that or point to the fact that God doesn't exist, and that gap between logic. And believing, I believe, is is faith. Okay. So that's how it differs from science. Like science, you can say A, B, C, D, E, F, G, therefore G. Okay. Whereas with, with religion, I think, to a degree, it's A, B, C, D, mm, H. Okay. And it, that, it's that gap, which is faith. And I think as well, part, partly, the world, if you ever do, you actually have these moments where you're like, isn't it mad that all this is in existence around us? And like, how has it come to being? You know, this whole, like, science has tried to explain, like, the God particle. Basically, the particle started everything. And you kind of just have to believe that there is uh, a higher power, I feel. Because it's just crazy. Yeah, it is a crazy what about place. You? So you, have, you, have, you, have you had any, yeah. well, look, any I, I, development I, in, your, in your faith? Um, I will well, say, I guess, though, I'm, not, I'm a very poor, poor practicing Catholic. And I think, just to, sorry, to finish, I think... We have moved away from Catholicism in Ireland, and I think a lot of people point to the abuse of the churches, the, bu- the abuse of people by the church, which clearly is not acceptable. Yeah. But I actually think even if that hadn't happened, I still think people have moved away from. Please being, kneel. Being God focused to be yeah. human focused, and I actually don't think that that's necessarily a good thing. I think this whole idea of looking out for one another and kind of, you know, all these, even like, like yoga stuff would have like, give thanks to kind of the world around you. That's kind of the same thing. Really. All religions really, really kind of is. point to the same thing. It's like, you know, being grateful for your existence. Yep. Treat your fellow man like you would like to be treated. Rather than being like humanistic and like, I'm the most important thing. And do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, this was the, let me give you just... To, to kind of weigh in on my own atheism, uh, the story goes as this. Um, I was living in Wicklow, uh, Newtown Mount Kennedy, Callow Hill at the time. I was about seven years old. Okay. Now, I had asked my parents for headphones for Christmas. Okay. Not, I asked Santa. 
I wrote a little yeah. letter um, addressed to the North Pole. <clears throat> Normally a dependable man. Santa yeah, you don't, yeah. Now, I stumbled across, I was always a nosy little bugger. Little um, and uh, I stumbled across the headphones and the receipt uh, for the headphones. <laughs> and I said nothing. Just in case the headphones weren't going, you know, they were no longer forthcoming after I told my parents that I knew what they'd been up to. Yeah. So I said nothing. Yeah. Um, but at that moment, as, at seven years old, cute I decided if Santy's not real, if Santy can't be real for children, then God's not real for adults. Um, yeah. So ever since then, I've been an atheist. Now, a man I have huge respect for, Carl, a fellow atheist, comedian, um, tremendous writer like myself, a man of great skill, Ricky Gervais. Yeah. Um, Is I it Gervais or Gervais? I don't know, but he has a shopping centre in Dublin's North City Centre. Um, the Gervais Centre. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute shite joke. <laughs> that is muck. Um, but as I said, Ricky Gervais, an idol of mine, um, and he speaks particularly candidly and logically on the subject of atheism. And largely speaking, his reviews uh, are reflective of my own. Okay. So, Gervais believes that religion's greatest trick, Carl, was not convincing people of the existence of a god. Rather, religion's greatest trick was to convince all others that you could not ridicule the idea of such an existence, mm-hmm. you know, of a divine power. Atheists are often labelled closed-minded, okay? And asked, why not believe? Mm. The answer is simple, Carl. Why should I believe? Man created this idea of God, just like man created Santi. But yeah, I, said, I think that's a good question. But I think, but I think that's just the point. I think say one thing that I find uh, not tiring, but with but, but this whole thing is like if people don't believe in God or they do believe in God, like, like, you know, I don't care. Person, my yeah. That's what it comes down to. Faith It's like you don't believe. Fair enough. I do. Now, what I don't really can't really stand. I can't really stand for people who are at either ends of the spectrum. People who are absolute Bible bashers. Being like, you know, you're going to be condemned. Or then other people who are atheists and like, you're an idiot. Because you believe in God. It's like, well, like... Why is there a term? Why does the term atheist exist? Why is there a label for people who don't believe in God? There's no label for people who don't believe in fairies. If you don't believe in fairies, I'm not going around saying you're a fairyist. <clears throat> you know? Well, because, like, re- like, religions and the institution of religion has been around almost forever and has been part of making states and therefore whereas like the tooth fairy hasn't tooth fairy is a fable i know you can say religion is a fable but like yeah. the largest landowner in the state is the church probably do you know what i mean whereas the tooth fairy doesn't own any land so that's why that's true but i, I say not in this world <clears throat> not in this world um, but that's why like they're good questions though and like the i, I just think like when, would you would you think though that all people are born atheists is anybody born with a religious belief See, this is the interesting piece, though. Is in like, if you grow or grow up, a cat. If you're born into a Catholic family, you will become most likely a Catholic. Yeah. And it becomes, or if you're born in India, most likely a Hindu. And it becomes, and that's because you're kind of born into that um, religion. But again, people are associate about associate with the terms like you're a Catholic, I'm a Protestant. But like, or you're a Muslim, you're uh, you're a Buddhist. At the end of the day, like, unless you're pretty strict on a lot of the teachings, we all just kind of believe in God. Like, most Catholics, Irish Catholics, you know, uh, believe in sex before marriage, have no problem with homosexuality, 
I have no problem with abortions. Don't go to mass. Yeah, it's true. So like, we're not actually Catholics, really, when you think about it. Like when the, when the Catholic Church's teachings are a certain way, and people are like, "Well, the Catholic Church needs to change its teachings." No, we just need to. We just need to start another church. Yeah. Or we just need to have another. Like that's what you are. It's like how I find it very difficult to be a, like to describe myself as a Catholic somewhat. I'm religious. When it's like, well, I go to this place who have this, who don't agree with a lot of the beliefs that I agree with. I think going to church is a good idea. I, I like the idea of it, but I also think that you go to church and you're sitting there and it's teachings from 2,000 years ago that are in no way changed to shed light on today. Yeah. And I kind of don't really understand that. I can understand the traditions of it, but I can not really understand the traditions of, here's a gospel story that was written 2,000 years ago. And I, and then they try and tie it in, but I don't really... I think it's... I, I, I think, sorry, I think Catholicism in Ireland is a square and the world at the moment is a circle. And they just don't fit together. Yeah, it's just, yeah. Modern day Catholicism, um, or just even, well, yeah, Christian religious practices in Ireland... I really think that it's a it's a dying art. Um, like the likes of the people, if you were to attend, let's say, the blessings of the grave or something that you might feel obliged to, you know, go along with your parents yeah. and, and just be be present and participate in. Yeah. They're the oldest people in the country um, who are there. And when they're gone, is that the end of... I think, I say absolutely. But I think, I say like, first of all, the Catholic Church is more than the components of its teachings. Like if you look at the all the work that is done by, by Catholic uh, sisters and, and priests around the world, and even like the school that we would have gone to that was run by priests, hospitals are run by nuns, and, and, and nurses were essentially nuns and all this kind of stuff. But I agree with you, as in like, it's hard, it's hard, I, I find it hard to, I agree with you, because it means like people don't go to Mass, but then name the two biggest events of your childhood, your communion, your confirmation. Cash money. And everyone wants to go and everyone wants to dress and I can guarantee you everyone wants the Instagram of, of Deirdre looking gorgeous in this in the in the Yeah, thing look or, at Deirdre in our age or, or wedding you dress. You know, Dash wearing his uh you know, his Louis Copeland mini suit at, yeah. and like <laughs> do you know what I mean? And like at the same time or your first confirmation or whatever and then you're kind of part like in school we would have always had like go to a lot of masses and stuff. And we all really enjoyed them. But they kind of were relevant to what was going on in our life. Where then as you just go down to the local mass, you'd be like, what's going on here? Like, yeah. Whereas in school, it was like, this is for this, this is for this. So, well, the question is, like, if you were married, do you think you would have your kids make their first communion and confirmation? No. No? No. I wonder, is that a thing still? Like, I wonder, I wonder is that, like, do people, is it still, like, part of, like, you know, obviously there's this whole ideology that all schools in Ireland should just be like not they should be non-denominational yeah how do you feel about that well I think is that not is that not the current trend is that not the way things are going like our own school the school we went to I think at one point in time you had to be I think when I was enrolled in the primary school roughly though has he been baptised and communionized and is he due to be confirmed in the future I think that policy does not exist anymore I think they might ask you but I don't think it's it's still in place and like even when we were in school there were people who weren't Catholics yeah so I I Actually, I was always struck growing up, um, like, I think the first time I would have, like, this whole idea of um, Catholicism versus uh, Protestantism. Ask most people what the difference between the Catholic and Protestant is, the Protestant, they can't tell you. 
So it's a very hard word to say when you're young. Protestant. I could never say it when I was Protestant. Yeah. Um, it's actually, it's a more logical faith. Their belief... I would think that most people who are Catholics in Ireland are actually Protestants. 100%. Unbeknownst to themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Their actual beliefs reflect far more that of a Protestant than a Catholic. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Gas. And just before, just before we leave this one now, <clears throat> I'm an atheist, Carla Believer, the, and the, the, the subject of the agnostics, those yeah. who simply don't know, those who uh, care to sit on the fence. Yeah. The question for such people, Carl, should not be, is there a God? Because mm. they can just say, I don't know. Yeah. The question to these people is, do you believe in God? Mm. That's a do you question. It's a yes or a no. There's no, I don't know. Do you believe in God? Yes or no. Am I wearing a lovely plaid shirt? Mm-hmm. Yes, I am. Do you believe that I am wearing a lovely plaid shirt which created the world we live in? <laughs> you can have a fair stab in the dark, lads, um, and give uh, a yes or a no answer um, on that one. So I think, uh, get off the fence, lads. Um, agnostics, no good. <laughs> Jesus, there's some arse on your man. Stop that. Look at the pipe on your man. Um, right. What was the phrase you said for hungover? Hanging out of your arse. Hanging out of his arse, he was. Carl, we were going to have a little conversation here this afternoon mm-hmm. on the uh, a topic very close to my heart, um, UFOs. Yeah, well, we are, we are not alone. Uh, Absolutely I, I, not alone, lads. Ki- as we keep saying, there's a cat on the back wall there. He is actually an aggressive-looking uh, black and white cat. Uh, if you see him in the Monkstown area, looking for a postman. please do inform your local guardy. Um... No, UFOs are not alone. I have a number of conspiracies about this conspiracy. Yeah. You go, you tell me what you know, what you think. Well, I know as much as I learned recently, Carl, when watching a um, an independent documentary starring uh, Joseph Rogan and a doctor, Post Malone. Yeah, you're um, watching it when I arrived. But go on. Austin Richard, uh, Post Malone's real name, a uh, 25-year-old. Great, great tunes. I couldn't name one song by him, um, but I can tell you that he's tattooed from from the from the top of his head uh, to the bottom sure of, to the lo- bottom of his lower head. I'm sure he's a lovely fella. I love his music, but by God, he could do it a wash. And Carl, what they were talking about, yeah, he could do it a wash. Yeah, he really could do it just a wash. A, just a, but what these lads were chatting um, about cigarettes off minute ago. He literally smoked. Now they were out of their heads on mushrooms. Um, Self confessed there was no hiding this. They weren't embarrassed at all. A uh, little bit of drinking, a little bit of marijuana, um, and a whole load of mushroom risotto went in. Um, and your man was chain smoking fags like you'd rarely see um, outside of Carl's back garden. Um, <laughs> what they were talking about, Carl, was a recent report from the New York Times, um, yeah. which regarded a recent statement made by the Pentagon, no less. Yeah. Okay. So in this report, uh, published by the New York Times, a top-secret Pentagon program has been conducting classified briefings for over a decade, analysing various encounters between military craft and unidentified aerial vehicles. Mm-hmm. According to the Times, the Pentagon stated that the program was disbanded, but a Senate committee report only last month <gasps> revealed spending on a program called the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Task Force, or the UAPTF um, to make an acronym of the whole thing. They love acronyms in the military, go on. They do. So it was reported in late June that US Senator Marco Rubio yeah. had requested a detailed analysis of the task force's findings. This is where it gets interesting, and this is what uh, Postman Malone and Joseph Rogan were chatting about. The report stated that the committee supports the efforts of the task force to collect and standardise data regarding unidentified aerial phenomena, as well as their links to foreign governments and potential threats. 
In light of this, astrophysicist and former consultant for the UFA, oh, UFO program, and um, he was doing this since 2007, and Eric W. Uh, Davis, um, you, can, you can figure out what the W stands for yourselves, um, told the Times that he had given a classified briefing to the Defence Department Agency as early as March regarding off-world vehicles not made on this Earth, which they had discovered. Well, no. It's funny how this isn't really news at the moment. Because yeah, this the, is mad. The, the arse falling out of the world. They had done this, so they'd released videos officially that were already on the internet. Two videos. From, from earlier, I think it was earlier in, in coronavirus, of of pilots basically chasing down. Yeah, three videos. One from 2004, one from 2014, and one from 2015. And I watched them, Carl, um, and? with a cup of coffee this morning, and it was frightening. Well, interestingly, frightening. So there had a guy, there's a guy called Bob Lazar, who was on Joe Rogan again. Yeah, lovely man, Bob Lazar. <clears throat> so he came out. Did he? No, well, hold on. Did he, he come out? No, he came out, I think, years ago and said that he had worked in near Area 51. So Area 51, read a book a bit, very interesting, is actually a test site for aircraft. But within the air, like Area 51 is massive. Within that whole, there's like Area 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. And within that, there was a thing called a place called S4. Where okay. he said he worked. Where he worked on... Um, aircraft that they have found that was not from this planet and he yes. was able to describe how it flew and they basically were trying to reverse engineer how it flew because they didn't understand the physics because the physics was beyond our understanding yeah I think I actually I did actually say that uh, Rogan interview so subsequently the guy there's a, there's, it's on documentary about Bob Lazar the guy who made that documentary I think his name is Jeremy Corbell was on Joe Rogan again recently. Now, Joe Rogan, just as an aside, clearly doesn't like him. He's yeah. just quite rude to him. Yeah. And it makes it quite uncomfortable. But himself and another guy called George Knapps, I think, who was an investigative journalist who had covered this, was on Joe Rogan again the other day and they were talking about it. Okay. I don't actually really watch Joe Rogan, but I have watched these episodes. Um, and when that came out, we're basically saying that some of what Bob Lazar had said was true. Because what happened was, Bob Lazar, after he came out and told people that he'd been involved in this, you know, he was discredited. I think he might have lied about on his resume, about some of his education. And obviously when, when you come out with stuff like that, people try and discredit you and therefore your information. Exactly. But well worth watching his, what he talks about. Like some of the technology, he said like they had like a an orb, so a big globe. Like that just like was the energy source and they would it would fly whatever the... Uh, the craft the craft was and it would fly like that yeah um, sorry it would fly like that and it was like a disc really interesting um, now I ha we'll caveat all of this by I read this book called Area 51 okay by Annie Jacobson she's a very good author she is in fairness to her also has been on um, she has Joe Rogan she has but and I'll her, take your word for it her, she's very good her findings, though, of Area 51 and the Roswell crash, so that crash in 1948 in New Mexico, yes, was that it was the Russians. So what they did was they found a they found a craft with technology that they didn't have in the states. Yeah. With um, what looked like deformed humans. Piloting. And what it actually was, allegedly, uh, this is if you believe what's in the book, was 
I think at some stage in the 40s, The War of the Worlds, which was a film which Tom Cruise was in in 2000 and... Sometimes isn't it something? Yeah, correct. H.G. Wells' book was read on the radio. Okay. And it scared people so much that they actually thought it was a real... Wow. Life. So it was like red and it was like yeah. red as if it was like a news reporter. Yeah. And they kept interrupting and be like, by the way, this is a drama. We interrupt this news broadcast to bring you news this, of alien landing. This is like a, this is just a drama. But people obviously missed that. Yeah. And heard it and thought the world was ending and there was a massive panic. So apparently Stalin heard this. Yes. And to scare the bejesus out of the Americans, they had this craft and they sadly like performed experiments oh, wow. on uh, children to make them look mutated, mutated and not of this planet and would crash land them in America and they would find them and then panic Gosh. so that's the whole idea of like the New Mexico crash was that's what it was but it still doesn't explain how they have technology that they can't explain no which is very strange it is strange and as you said already Carl this um, this should be bigger news with the Pentagon coming out saying, oh yeah, lads, uh, we have in our possession, uh, we've had it for some time now, a uh, couple of bits and bobs uh, that flew fellas from <clears throat> other galaxies here. And uh, yeah, UFOs are real. But my my conspiracy of this conspiracy is, why are they releasing it? So I reckon this is what they're doing, Carl. With the current ter- uh, global turmoil, mm. uh, plenty of stuff going on and monkey business going on, if they can divulge little snippets here and there, get it out there without causing mass panic, just little bits. More cynical. They release this stuff to divert the attention from actually something they're trying to hide, which is some plane or some technology that they're 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 creating themselves. So that's what the whole book is all talks about. Here. Interesting. Like Area fifty one. They were testing a lot of like the stealth aircraft. And yep. obviously, they'd have test flights around Nevada, but like farmers would see them and stuff. And they'd be like, like imagine when there was a test flight here, something flew by in the middle of the night. You'd be like, and you didn't know that test flight was there. You'd be like, oh, that was a UFO. Have you ever met a UFO? No. No. I was in a pub in Navin. <laughs> um, it would have been uh, late, uh, could have been 2009. Um, and a fella came in. With the frisbee. Either yeah. UFO under his arm. No, he himself, he came in, Carl, and he ordered a pint of Carlsberg. And he handed the lady um, a 10 euro bill. And before she had time to cash it off and hand him his change, he had sank the pint. Now, I've never seen anything like it in my life. <laughs> so my suggestion is in Navin in late 2009, um, I would have met an alien um, at the Toker Inn. Um, just there by the roundabout as you come into Navin. Um lovely pub. Do you so in all seriousness, do you think though that aliens exist? I really don't. That's fine. I wonder as well, Rogan and um, Post Malone Carl, they reckon that the whole coronavirus, this kind of reconditioning of the human the human being, distance, masks, hygiene, sanitization, conspiratorial in nature, no doubt, Carl, but are we now being prepared? For an alien invasion? No. I bes- Simple answer, no. <laughs> no, right? I just, I just think that there is a, a pandemic that is, like, that causes people to get illnesses. There's one there! Therefore, There's one there! 
and then we need to uh, go to hospital. Like, I think that's really it. Yeah. I don't know why people would... Yeah, I think we're getting a little bit too conspiratorial here. That was probably a few mushrooms in, though, was it? Yeah. Um, shiitake mushrooms. Um, I know, we're, we're not alone. And, and look, if they have a cure for coronavirus, be great. Yeah, you have friends. You are not alone. You're um, not alone. Thanks to them. Yeah, Jim, a second. You're not on your... Was that? Do you know the song? You're not alone. You're not alone. Oh, 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 oh. Actually, the Solomon Rex is good. Which one? Is it? Mm-hmm. You're not alone, lads. Lads, the aliens, you're very welcome, lads. Um, you've arrived at a good time, lads. Uh, the world is in a great place. Yeah. You're going to love it here. <laughs> here we go. Pingers. Yep. Much, much less anyway, that's vibey um, than I remember. Yeah, you're not alone by Olive. Absolute muck. Um, <laughs> not suggested listening, lads, but um, we look forward to the aliens arriving um, and invading, as we said. God, it's such an odd song. Stereo Love by Edward Maya featuring Vika Jaguliana. Yeah. Good girl, yeah. good girl Vika. Great track. No, um, so I was driving home and I was listening and I was thinking of songs, do, do songs hit you and they remind you of the past? Yeah. Or of a person? Absolutely. Of a situation? Music is a great thing for that actually. But there are songs so that you love but I just can't listen to them more because yeah. I just associate them with that memory. Oh you can, yeah, you can absolutely um, And then it's just like I, I, exhaust I, I, your enjoyment of a song. Yeah, so one that stuck out to me was it was on the car on the way home. It was Umbrella by... The late, great Brianna. She's not dead. Um, not yet. But that was... That, came, I, that just that just screams at me of 2007 when it came out. Yeah. Doing the junior cert. Going to a disco the day the junior cert finished. Yes. And it just pissed rain. And I got absolutely soaked. And had you an umbrella with you? I didn't. But that, ironically, I think, was the was that the wettest summer on record? I got, yeah, I got a fair bit of action that summer. It was fairly wet. Uh, 2007. Great year. Great year for... Um, when you were 15. Yeah. 14. Great, yeah. Wet summer, yeah. I remember. Right. Um, awful stressful, the junior cert, really, when you look back in hindsight. Oh, Jesus. It, it could be more stressful if you were doing it now. Because you realise, like, the pressure. Obviously, it doesn't exist anymore, but... Is there no junior cert anymore? It. Like, it's some other Mickey Mouse thing they do now. Are you still streamed to get into your senior cycle? I don't believe so. Ah, uh, lads. Uh, I think it's corrected by your own, your own teachers. But I remember, yeah, that, that was, it just reminds me of 2007. A good, uh, not a bad year, 2007. No. Nope. But the, of just being 15, growing, being all arms and legs. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of creatine going in 2007. Feet, really? 2007, yeah, but would have been, yeah. Feet were Very growing, juicy. hands were growing. Yeah. Just all over the gaff. Um, tough time when you're 15 really still think it's a bit easier though when you're mid 20s think mid 20s you're supposed to know what you're at but you don't no very little change now from uh, me being a 15 year old boy to uh, a 28 year old boy I think you've regressed to be honest I probably have my hairline my hairline's regressed anyway so is mine Jesus but say give me another one another one that reminds me of finishing the leaving cert and going on my first holiday UFO without my parents that's a plane Um is Stereo Love by Edward Maya. Give yeah. it a blast there. Let's listen to this one. Weird song. Just reminds you of being in Port of a Noose. The look smell up. of vodka rebels. Look at that, lads. On the squeeze box. He's on the squeeze box. 
the, I think the song as well set the was like the, the barrier. <laughs> you have to stop playing it or else we're not gonna. I think that's the barrier for like songs became so like that thereafter. Yeah, it really hasn't changed yet. But like where it's become like this like electric and like the thing nowadays is like someone like Ed Sheeran who has a bit of a vocal but in the background then there's some like chill that like it's all like can be turned into like uh, a dance song. Exactly, exa- I think that's the, I think that's it. You've struck the nail on, like, do they, on they, the they do that with movies. They're like, okay, we need to do this because we're going to movies are made in Hollywood to hit the biggest demographic possible. Yes, so naturally. you need to have a bit like, and there are all these attributes that that demographic like men look for, women look for, blah blah, kids look for. I think they do that with music now, and it drives. I me think so. Bananas, like Ed Sheeran, I think perfect example. Old stuff, excellent. Play it out. New stuff, can't stand it because yeah. it's all just like it can like Kygo nearly doesn't need to do anything to change it into a Kygo remix because it's basically that already. Totally agree with you. Yeah, I really don't. Um, very, a very small proportion of my regular listening is. Uh, modern made music uh, not a lot of good stuff being made at the moment well there is a lot of good stuff but the stuff that's in the charts the stuff that makes its Some way into it's the top 10 top 20 exceptionally catchy but you just hate to see really good artists you know I'd rather I'd rather I'd rather catch AIDS or something <laughs> I'd rather catch a cold just to give yourself the option in the edit night there I'd rather catch a cold Carl well not at the moment so you, you want to Good talk point. to me about a, a particular album that you love? Well, you said, you were talking about um, songs which... Um, What's with that cat? Yeah, he's up Shh. to no good there. Come, yeah. da- come down off that wall, young man. Out there terrorising mice in the back garden. Um, actually, I see the very same cat uh, chasing a bumblebee only yesterday morning, Carl. He got an awful sting in the mouth. Um, deservedly so. Um, <laughs> Did that actually no- happen? Yeah, did you? Right. Yeah, lovely. Go on, any sorry, you were talking to me about something. Pussy out the bank. Um, yeah, with regards to songs that evoke um, memories of days gone by, mm. um, there is one particular album that I would have listened to a lot as a younger man. Yeah. Um, and one particular song from the album. It is. It's the second track on the album, and the album I'm referring to is "The Joshua Tree" by U2. Yeah. Um, second song Ironically you two named after One of the planes from the Area 51 That would likely have been regarded as being It's a spy plane YouTube Really? Spy plane. Yeah What? Originally called The Hype Really? Um, yeah you two uh, Formerly The Hype um, Same members just Trying to Why did they it. change the name? Wasn't working Wasn't working The Hip The Hip um, So if this isn't working Carl we'll, I don't know we'll change the podcast to We'll just change the name But then we'll just lift off um, second track on the album, um, A Prayer to St. Anthony. Um, a song... Sorry, sorry. A song called I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. Um, now, this song, Carl, Carl, here's the memory it evokes in um, in my body. Just setting the scene here, lads. We have- I would have been eight years old. The year was 2000. I was on a little push scooter on my way to school. Um, before push scooters were cool, um, I was riding one. We're running out of monetizing space here. Um, Thanks, but no, no more than that. Um, this one you were living on Sydney Avenue? Yeah, we were living um, in Blackrock, and I was going to school in Blackrock, so I was taking my little scooter, aged eight, to school. And the traffic along the rock road backed up each and every morning, oh. as it always was. Still is. Um, and I was scooting along with my backpack on my back, and I saw a Maserati in the traffic. <gasps> 
Window down. Boom time, baby. Window down music absolutely blaring. And this was the song. Right? Gas man, Bono. Thanks for, thanks for doing those little samples. And um, sat at the steering wheel was Bono. Paul Houston. Paul Houston. Um, there he was, listening to that song in traffic. Volume fair, fair high. Um, he has two daughters, lovely ladies, um, around the same age as ourselves, actually. Yeah, they are, yeah. And they would have gone to a nearby school. And uh, there they were in traffic, and Daddy rocking out like the rock star he, he is. So I stopped my scooter, um, I turned the engine off, and I went over to Bono with a copy book. One of those, a maths book with the little grids. Yeah, yeah. Little gri- grid paper system, back in those days. Um, and uh, I asked him would he sign it. He said he absolutely would. He said, mind yourself there, you're in the middle of the road, you're going to be knocked down. I was literally in the middle of the road, stood beside a Maserati, um, traffic blasting along uh, in the opposite direction. Um, and he said, what's your name? I said, my name's Nate. He said, good man, Nate. And he wrote, to my mate, Nate, from your buddy, Bono. And he drew sunglasses and nose and a smiley face. Um, that's it. Do you still have that? I don't know. I hope I do, because it's probably worth uh, three quarters of a million euros. Um <laughs> Do you remember the autograph stage though, where everyone got autographs? I think that was kind of cool. Yeah. There's the selfie thing now. I wonder which 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 famous people prefer. So the less, probably much of a muchness. Would you yeah. prefer someone to be like, "Can I have your autograph?" Or well, I've done a lot of signing. Like an autograph book, and it was pretty cool. Like just did to, you? Yeah. Like Who would you got? Me? I can't remember. But just like big names, obviously. Yeah, huge. But I uh, but I just I like that idea. Whereas now it's like a photo. It's just like. I don't know if I've ever met a famous footballer. Maybe it's because I'm a 28-year-old man and I should know better. But I would much be like, oh, like, talk to them. Yeah. And then when you're a kid, though, you obviously want to, like, a... But, like, having a photo was a bit... Maybe has... Is the coronavirus the death of the selfie and now it will be back to autographs? Oh, yeah. That's fair enough, yeah. Who's... No one can a pen and paper, though, anymore. No. Other, other than yourself there. Yeah, I have my pen and my paper here. I don't know. Interesting as well that Bono was listening to his own music. I was saying to you earlier, Prince apparently used to listen to only his own albums. And when he got tired of listening to it, he would make an, another album. Do you do your own thing? Because if you listen to other musicians, you inevitably will end up, whether consciously or subconsciously, copying their ideas. Definitely. Or you think of something and then they say something and you're like, well, I can't use that now because it's... Too similar to what that person said. Yeah, I sat down there with the guitar only last weekend, Carl, after you left um, from our previous recording. And I wrote down a little song. Um, revisited it the following morning and realised that what I'd actually jotted down were the lyrics to Wonderwall. <laughs> um, yeah. But, easily, it's easily done. But you're asking me if, if... Surprising that Bono was listening to his own music. Surprising, but also absolutely not surprising. What Bono was listening to was U2's fifth studio album, released in 1987, The Joshua Tree. This is a remarkable album. We mentioned uh, last week Oasis, definitely, maybe. Here is another belter freelance. So The Joshua Tree has received critical acclaim, topped the charts in over 20 countries and became the fastest selling album in British history. The album produced hit singles with or without you. A prayer to s- I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And where the streets have no name. God, um, an absolute disaster for Google Maps there. Where the streets have no name. <laughs> <laughs> the first two of which became the group's only number one singles in the US. The album won Grammy Awards, including Album of the Year in 1988. 
frequently listed among the greatest albums of all time, The Joshua Tree is one of the world's best-selling albums, with over 25 million copies sold to date. Wow. And not only that, Carl, last little factoid here for you, lads. In 2014, it was selected for preservation in the US National Recording Registry, having been deemed culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant by the Library of Congress. Who does that stuff? Bono. No, but who, but whose job is it to be like, right, we need to get, you know, let's get a, a bit of a Big Mac and freeze it, just in case in the future we need yeah. to tell people about it. That's true. It's mad. So can you name, so you've... I want that job. Everybody knows uh, the Bono man. Yeah. Everybody knows the Edge man. Yeah. Do you know the other ones? Uh, oh, what's your who name? played the drums? Are you going to tell me his name and it's going to annoy me? Larry. Oh. Mullen. Larry Mullen. He's not gone though. No, no, they're all still there. And fourth member, Carl, bass player. Give me his name. Steve Jobs. Adam Clayton. You did know that. So, obviously, Larry didn't go for... Um, Larry just went with his own name. Um, Adam did the same. Um, what's the real name? The Edge's real name is... Um, just to protect his identity. Um, <laughs> Carl, if you were going to give yourself a stage name... Does it have to be like a... Like a, two, like a it has, be, nah, it, has to be, it has to be one word. One word? Yeah, just one word. You're going to give yourself uh, a noun. Give yourself Name yourself after a noun or something. Aneurysm. Aneurysm. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah. And what would I go for myself? Um, this is my aneurysm. Hemorrhoid. Yeah, I love that! <laughs> Hemorrhoid and aneurysm, lads. Um, <laughs> any more of these um, um, evocative... Songs from uh, from the past. What is it? One of the ones I do remember from way way back. It reminds you of British Bay and summers and summer discos. Lovely. Is um, Scooter. Title of the track. Uh, what is that song called? A logical song. Yeah. It's actually a sample of Logical song. Magical. Yeah, great That's track, Scooter. Let's <laughs> let us know in the comments below and lasses. Um, let us know. Let us know the songs that uh, give that bring back great memories for you. The the particularly evocative ones um, that good, you remember good or, fondly. Well, preferably good. Preferably good ones, lads. They might make it into the uh, the goat's milk playlist over on the Spotify machine. Did you watch the FA Cup the weekend? The FA Cup final. Then. Yes, I did. Arsenal, um, Mickey Arteta's Arsenal. Yeah. Up against um, Francis Lampard's. Chelsea, I think two of... Are they the two most successful FA Cup sides in English history? I think so. I, was, I saw they were showing who had won... I think Arsenal have won the most, about 14. Like I think Ashley Cole, who played for both teams, yeah. has seven FA Cups. Oliver, Oliver Giroud. Yeah. Uh, Big Ollie. Big Oliver Giroud. Yeah. Fucking useless, baby. He was due, I think, to win his fifth FA Cup. Should David Luiz has won FA Cups with now both Arsenal and Chelsea. David Luiz should not have a contract at the professional level. Oh my god! Sideshow Bob this lad. But say he, all due respect, he had that good game against City in the semi final. In he, in in two thousand and one. No, in the, the last semi final. Every centre half in their life has had one game at least where the it's like the ball is magnetised to your your skull. Yeah. And you just poof out. Yeah. Attack the ball. And I'm sorry, but David Luiz is just tragic. People are like, oh, he just makes his mistakes. That's his fault. He getting, he's getting paid a hundred. Yeah, yeah. He's getting yeah. paid a hundred grand a week. And like, you just can't make mistakes like that. And I just think there's a dirt of decent centre halves these days in professional football. The whole thing is about passing. Gray. 
if you're a centre half, get the ball, roll it to somebody else yeah. who's getting paid way more money, who's way better at football. Who can pass it the um, only thing you have to do along, the, is, along the horizontal yeah. line, uh, just straight to another fella yeah. who's getting paid a lot of money, and he might do the uh, he might uh, he might uh, serve up that incisive like, pass. People like there's there's so many like you think of name a good centre name all the centre halves that play for United, Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, City. There's one good one. Virgil van Dijk. Virgil van Dijk. The rest, you can take or leave. Barry Maguire over at United. Um, no. Head like a microwave, yeah. that fella. Um, <laughs> he's grand, like. He's he's standard. He's a grand, he's fine. Yeah. yeah. He's fine. There are very, very, very a, few good centre-halves. City, Imeric Laporte. Tremendous young Frenchman. He really is now. He's, he's, he's not in, bad. He's injured more, af- more often than he's not. Um, but when he's not in that City back line, so we now have two, two out of two billion quid. That's true. Who do, yeah, Arsenal... Actually, Arsenal have signed a young... Well, they signed him last summer and they uh, sent him back on loan to his parent club at the time, Saint-Étienne, a young William Saliba. But like, this whole he thing looks is like an exciting there's prospect. So many, there's so many discussions around this guy's going to be good. English league is different gravy. You come in and it just doesn't work for you, it does. So it's really about who is proven as being good now. There are very few players that are good centre-halves. Like. Yeah, that's... Well... Like and like, you would say that all of the all of the top apart even Liverpool like because Lovren is not to be rude now but Jesus he's awful, um, like all of the top teams could do with a good centre half. Yeah, there's a couple of tremendous centre halves in the other top five European leagues. Um, a couple of names spring to mind. There is a Milan Skriniar playing at Inter Milan. Mm. Um, were he to move to a top four, five, six Premier League team, he would Im- improve their defensive output no end. Yeah. Um, Bali, big old Senegalese bastard at Napoli, an absolute monster in defence. I don't um, know if you can say that, but anyway. Very much in the same um, same sort of player as Virgil. This kind of uh, modern quarterback type centre half. But the whole thing is that like, people say like Virgil Van Dijk, he's a great footballer. Like first and foremost, he's a bloody great defender. Yeah. And that's why he's there. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's why he's there. And Yeah, a Rolls-Royce man. A Rolls-Royce defender, that fella. So, I just... I don't know. I struggle watching it now. Um, I, I, interesting, though. I know the Champions League is coming up in Lisbon. That kind of, like, two and a half, three-week thing. When is that? How soon is that? It's the end of August, I think. Oh, brilliant. Looking forward Maybe to Maybe soon. I think this could be the end. I'm not sure that we're going to have a, re- a restart of the football. We've seen cases arising here. What do you mean? So let's say within in August. I don't think the Prem- I'm not sure the Premier League will start again. Premier League's due to kick off in seven weeks' time. I'm not sure it will. Wow. So I just wonder. There was a lull, and the lull coincided in 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 the UK and in Europe, and that coincided with finishing off the league. I wonder though. What happens if there's a spike and there's a Premier League get delayed again and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. And like even. Um, Real Madrid have to play City I think yes they're getting an exemption from the quarantine to come play against City I think in the Champions League right okay so it's going to be a lot of that then but even you see as well like the the NFL is supposed to be starting I don't I'm not sure if it will baseball I think the the Mariners I think they're from Seattle like half the team had coronavirus they didn't even realise it and I just it's hard to see how sport can take place when people are travelling here, there and everywhere. I'd say it's interesting at the moment because it's been so great to have sport back. But it was just, you know, kind of a six, seven week period to close close out competitions. 
hard to see how a full season can go ahead. Yeah, that's true. With all the games that are associated with it. Like, you think about it, like the Premier League, the League Cup, FA Cup, Champions League. Like, there'll be no Club World Cup. That's just in... In, in, in the context of the football. Yeah, and then yeah. you think about the rugby and stuff. So, I don't know, it's... It'd be quite a sad, sorry existence if we were in the middle of and obviously, winter without sport. With stadiums, um, with stadiums closed, obviously the the revenue um, for the Premier League football teams has been greatly affected. Meaning that the transfer market, the summertime transfer market, is going to be not as busy as um, it often is, and perhaps the figures associated with transfers not as high as they usually are. Yeah. Um, given diminished revenues. Well, sorry, in, not not in sports like football, where it's literally the gate doesn't matter. Does the gate really not matter? No. Not I really. thought maybe the gate does matter to the smaller fellas. Well, say maybe to the smaller one, but like the the big one for the Premier League is TV rights. TV rights. Yeah. Okay. So, but have it, you looked? Have you? Do you have any interest in? I think what's for me, what's most exciting about the kickoff of a new Premier League season, not just the return to action, but seeing new faces in the league. Yes. And um, unfortunately, in the last couple of weeks, with football rebooting and resuming, I've fallen back into my wicked ways of beginning each and every day with an in-depth dive and analysis of the transfer rumour mill. You just have to wait till they have the jersey in their hand. That's you really just do. The way, otherwise, you'd be, be watching Sky Sports News and it's like that old sketch. It's like, Wayne Rooney has wiggled his toes. Like it's just like yeah, that's literally what you're like. Hearing. Some lads stand outside the ground. It's like oh, there's a other oh, cars tinted windows. I can't tell. Like it's a it's a load of bullshit. But it's interesting though to see how the Premier League will be fine because of all the money in the world. A lot of the American sports will be fine. They have all the money in the world. It's games like rugby, big trouble. Yeah, big trouble. Um, because they don't have the same revenue generation. They were only beginning to get it. In comparison to football, CBC, who are a private equity company, had bought into the Six Nations. They halved their offer. So the Six Nations is a private mm, okay. company. They halved their offer because of coronavirus. They bought into a couple of the leagues around Europe. Yeah. Yeah. And with no gate, there's a the revenue, the, the TV deals and stuff just don't exist. Like, they were only going to put the six stations behind a paywall eventually, I think. Okay. Whereas if you think about Sky, to watch any Premier League game, you know, that's 30 years in the making, putting, putting them all behind the behind the paywall. Yeah. So, it'd be interesting to see just that, how, how that affects the professional game. Like, it might destroy it for a while. There's just no money in it. But on just, just to come back to a point um, I made maybe seven and a half minutes ago, um... With regard to that Premier League transfer window, mm-hmm. Chelsea have played an absolute blinder in the early weeks of this window. So they've got Timo Werner. Timo Werner, who is one of the hottest striking prospects in world football. This is the go-to number nine for the German international team. He has scored an absolutely disgusting number of goals in both the Bundesliga and the Champions League for <laughs> the last for two RB years. Leipzig? RB Leipzig. Uh, Rosenball Sport Leipzig, or Red Bull Leipzig, um, as they're also known. Um, they've also snapped up German compatriot um, Kai Havertz. This guy is—he's the prodigal son, and he's arrived in the Premier League. Well, he looks remarkable. And they've also signed um, perhaps the assist king of Europe in the last two years, Hakim Ziyech. This guy's after coming from Ajax. Um, I think he might have done something stupid this year, 
and uh, he might have assisted 45 goals in all competitions. Wow. And that's the early business Chelsea have done. Well, they, They're they, they, short they, a defender, and I reckon they can win the league next year. They've done well. So I think Lampard's done well, particularly as well. They've no. He's a young manager. Um, yes, he is. I yeah. like him in there, though, because he probably has, rather than getting in some older, experienced manager who is probably have, has a one year window, Yes. seems like they've given Lampard just five years, figure it out. Yeah, exactly. Which is great because it's very frustrating when you're a sport in Chelsea and they constantly change the manager. And what do you achieve this year? So a top four finish. It's good. Um, you have Had to a bad ethical final, but that's just the, the day that's in it. When Frank arrived last summer, he they, wouldn't let was, any players. they weren't allowed to sign any players and instead he was forced um, to utilise the youth system yeah. at Chelsea there. And players like um, Tammy Abraham, Mason Mount, um, Tamori, I can't think of his first name. Uh, but Gilmore. Billy Gilmore, young Scott, young Scotsman there in the middle of the park. Five foot two. Uh, Reese James at right back. They have Callum Hudson Odoi, um, who was injured oh, for much of the season. Well, I think. These these players, this is United had the class in ninety two. Chelsea have the class of two thousand and nineteen, two thousand and twenty. This could be this squad could do anything they want next year with the with the additions they've already made and those likely but to, I just, I to like, be added. Yeah, and I like just having. I actually, I think like having a a manager is. That's well, it's important. important having a think, manager is important. I think nowadays though it's even more important because I think the. Like first of all, football has become so systemized that people say the Premier League has become more competitive. I don't think that's necessarily because the 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 skill level has gotten better. But what it is is the lesser teams are now better organized. Yeah, and they don't go out and throw the kitchen sink at it. Yeah, like would have happened ten years ago, exactly. and then lose six nil because they had no chance. They say we're going to play for a draw, and we'll see it happen. And they're better. So maybe the standard has increased. But part of that tactics are I think have become even more important for the better teams oh definitely um, I think someone like Frank Lampard young coach but you know was good at Derby has a good rapport with the players yes and I just think again with just the Chelsea thing like just having a degree of longevity I think they've gone through like 14 managers in 13 seasons something like you know Ancelotti won the league and the FA Cup was booted for not winning the Champions League it's just very tiresome so I think four or five years um will be good. And I think people had decent expectations for Chelsea for this year. They knew it was going to be tough. Yeah, and they'd also sold, to just remember, they sold their single best player and possibly, I don't know, top two, top three, definitely top four or five players in the Premier League in Eden Hazard to yeah. Real Madrid. And, like, but and think, the guy who stepped in, Christian Pulisic. Mm. Oh, now we're talking, lads. Sick. But I think, though, if you look back to United, how much of a bags they've made of it, and Arsenal, how much of a bags they've made of it, they had they went from top of the pops yeah. to Coco ex- Pops expecting to be there. Yeah. I'm not saying actually there's gonna be a significant drop off here because you've just gotten rid of an institution. Yes. In yep. both being Arsene Wenger yeah, and Alex Wenger, Ferguson. Yes. Whereas Chelsea and actually Arsenal this year have been like, right, well we need to reassess. Yeah, got this wrong. Recalibrate he, for the put future. Put a young guy in there. And we'll give him a little bit of, and it works. Yeah, like Mick. I know. They did Ars- with Klopp. They, they, they did the same thing with Klopp, and they said to Klopp, a couple of years, you'd be grand, and now they're flying. It's just giving managers a little bit of, little bit of Faith. leeway. And I yeah. just think, I think United and the pressure that club has just shot it even further, shot it down even further. They have, but now Ole's at the wheel. He's had. Was this his second season? This thing second. second and a half. Yeah, maybe he's done two and a half years. Um, but a third place finished to be to, be to be better than only by City and 
and Liverpool is a fair achievement. And the difference your man Bruno um, Fernandez oh. has made since arriving. Oh my God, Carl! This guy can play football. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. This guy's a footballer. He got that guy's got soccer on the brain. But I do think the early business that Chelsea have done in this window, anyway, um, they have put themselves a couple of leaps ahead of Man United, and uh, I think Chelsea are the team to chase. And down if, top if, there's, if Frank, if you're stuck for a centre half, I'll come back for you. Yeah, Carl's available. Um, Nate's available. Um, if and now, put it out. Breathe in through the nose. Oh, excuse me. Breathe out through your arse. <laughs> Entry on house, lads. Out through your arse. Anyway, here we go, lads. Hanging out of me arsehole here. Um, Carl, I wanted to have a little chat with you this afternoon. Go on. Um, or this evening, depending on when the lads and ladies uh, get the, um, go the, the content. Yeah, I'm listening to you. Irish cuisine, Carl. Yeah. Um, who is she and what does she mean to you? Um, yeah, I thought you might answer this that, that way, Carl. I've no idea what Irish cuisine is. Well, stews. Stews. Um, Stuart Butler. That man, he was on The Irish Apprentice um, in the early noughties, and uh, he's fam- I hope he's still going. Um, shout out to Stuart Butler, a man who said on Irish TV that he's had more hard times than most people have had hot dinners. <laughs> um, uh, a great phrase. Um, a great man. But Irish cuisine. Stews. Um, like stuff like that. Yeah. Coddle. Um, I've coddle written down Your here. Fish. Bit of fish. Um, Col cannon, another yoke. It's more, but it's more. It's kind of. It's, I think it's a. It's a symbol of the hardships that the Irish people have gone through, in the past. Whereas if they, you know, if you were, walked through Dublin now and you were trying to identify Irish cuisine, ah, uh, no the, chance. Um, beetroot, avocados, toast, eggs. Yeah. And prosecco, uh, would be Irish cuisine. Yeah. But often Irish cuisine was what was left in the cupboard. Plus a bit of meat in a pot and, and boiled. Yeah. That was basically Exactly. It. Peasant food, um, food with a foundation in cabbage and ham. And potatoes. And spud. Yeah. Where it's um, actually, where, where would you go now? If you if someone said to you, I love uh, some real good Irish cuisine. Yeah. Great. Where, where would you send them? Uh, Lower Georgia Street 777. You'll get a look. <laughs> you'll get a taco, <laughs> a margarita. Um, you might get a little bit of a... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, seven seven seven. Um, you'll get a great big feed of Irish there. No, honestly, um, where would you send someone though? The only Irish. I like, send them to a vodka, but it's like that's not really Irish. Though. That's just fancy food. Yeah, definitely not Irish. That's like, global cuisine. Like all like of these soup and sangers is Irish food. Yeah, I think. Yeah, like what did you eat growing up? Oh, sorry, where would you send people? Like, there's a couple of super Irish chefs, um, the likes of J.P. Gallagher working his way, um, working working over in Galway. Couple of restaurants, but they're all Spanish. They're tapas. They're Mediterranean flavors. Yeah. Using a championing Irish ingredients, of which there are many yeah, phenomenal like, like, producers. If you said like Irish is like boxty. What the? What is a boxty? Like massive yolk of meat and then just vegetables and gravy. That's basically Irish food. Yeah, it wouldn't sell. It's like it's like yeah, it's, it's not really. It's like a carvery. Is Irish food? Yeah. Really. Yeah. But like you'd hardly send someone into your local for a carvery, would you? No. It's weird. That there's, is there no like Irish? Artisan cuisine. Well, there was a place in Temple Bar. Um, Sausage rolls. Boxty. Boxty. Okay, go on. What is a boxty? No idea. A boxty is an Irish dish. Um, do I have it here? A boxty is a potato pancake with different savoury toppings. That sounds a bit artisan. 
yeah, arti- artisanal. Um, but I think ultimately, um, what Carl, Carl and I are trying to get to here Roasties. is roast potato stuff like that. Like, yeah, yeah. How are you getting on there? I get potato uh, crisps. I'll get a, a main course of the roast potato. Potato crisps. And, and I'll start. Bag of chip. I'll start with a bag of potato crisps, please. Yeah. Um, and I'll finish with a a boxy spud pancake. I think Irish cuisine um, is non-existent. Is what we're trying to say, I don't think and, that's true. and rather it's the 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 current uh, Irish cuisine is more reflective of the uh, the melting pot of cultures and cuisines, um, which exists in most um, developed what about, what about metropolis. A three in one or a spice bag. A three in one. Had a spice bag. Have you not had a spice I've bag? Had one. Jesus, the taste of it. I'm not fond it's of lethal. a lethal. Chi- I'm not. You'd get those in a Chinese takeaway, wouldn't you? Yeah, but it's like I don't know what's in it. It's like oh. Yeah, I'm really not fond of a Chinese takeaway. Um, not that I'm not fond of Chinese cuisine. Just not the Chinese cuisine you'll get out of an Irish operated. Um, but it's also like a foreign one is not Chinese food for obvious reasons. Not at all. Now a fried chicken ball, rice, um, yellow MSG based uh, curry sauce, and what else goes into it? Chip, chip, chip. Yeah. I must say though, I actually think that the best takeaway you can get is a chipper. Really? I think chippers are unbelievable. What would the order be, Carl? Butter sausage, chip, salt and vinegar. And I think the burgers out of out of uh, chippers are unbelievable. Frozen. I'm still think they're so good. Yeah, freshly frozen I think those burgers. Gorgeous chippers. They just they just it's lethal stuff. It's I love it. Yeah, I rarely get it now, but I actually think when you think about it, you're like, it's actually fantastic. The worst thing about the chipper I now. I might get one today. You don't want to put it in the car with you when you're driving home. The oh, I remember used to make me drive with it hanging out the window. Yeah, the stink of it, like a like a spoiled arse. Um, the old vinegar in the car. What would be your go-to uh, pork wall? Take I try not to. Um, I try not to order takeaways just because I'm always dumbfounded by the absolute lack of value. For example, ordering a Domino's pizza for seventy-five euros, um, when you could make yourself four pizzas for the. Uh, so speaking of value for, the, for pizza, for do you remember, euros, do you remember could... the uh, the pizza deal that we used to get back in the day? What was this one now? From our friends down in Sionogan. Do we get the wagon wheel for three Oh, <laughs> Jesus, lads. Wagon wheels for wagon wheel for a fiver. Actually, the greatest deal is this, lads. If you're going to spend your money with Domino's, order your food, eat your food, enjoy the food. Ring them up the next day, lads, and tell them you're after having an awful night and morning on the loo. You'll have your account credited to the same value. Um, and your man might be a little bit surprised to learn that the person who has um, suggested they're violently unwell is like, oh yeah, just send out the same thing again. I'll have the same thing again right now. Um, great little trick but I think Irish cuisine we must look into it Carl in a little more depth and what you're going to see lads um, a fry. over the weekend might be you know, that might be it an Irish breakfast lads that's what you're going to see Nate's version of an Irish breakfast um, up on the All Talk Media Instagram page I'll do a little bit of a food talk episode um, something Irish for you lads um, yeah little Irish breakfast artisan Chips, crisp sandwich. Yeah, and if you're lucky, lads, you might see my fine. You might see a great big sausage on the plate. <laughs> Hello. I hope you're having a very happy Sunday. Two thumbs up here. Thumbs down. Thumbs up. Carl, what should the people be watching now? On a on a on a lovely uh, Sunday. I uh, say so one thing that I finished that I watched. It was I was acting was Bloodline. Uh, three, three seasons. Seasons. Um, about thirty-six episodes in total. It is your man Couch Tyler from Friday Night Lights. Also, the what's his real name? 
he's is this the very American looking man? He to- he has a drawl. Yeah, and he, he he's, he's gorgeous. He's gorgeous. <laughs> um, reminds me of a young Kevin Murray. Um, and he was in not dissimilar to your father. That's true. No, not really. Um, he was in obviously Friday Night Lights, which is a gorgeous television program worth worth watching. He's also in what's that movie called? Oh, what's that movie called? He's in Zero Dark Thirty. He's also in The Woman Leonardo DiCaprio, um, Wolf Wall Street. Yes, he's in. He's the policeman. He's the FBI detective. Yes. So basically, if Bloodline is about a family that live down on the Florida Keys, have a hotel, uh, and they have a grown family. Okay. And they have a brother that's a bit of an outcast, and all is not as it seemed. Great family drama. I like the way it's three um, seasons. It doesn't... It doesn't, it doesn't stretch too far. Is that is it? Is that it? That's Three it. seasons story started, concluded. Finished. That's it. And there's also a woman in it. What is her name? Linda Cardellini. She was in. Okay. She was in Eeyore. You'd recognise her. Um, she's gorgeous. Bit of a bit of a, a childhood crush of mine. And I also went um, on the back of your suggestion last week, Carl. I had a look at the trailer for that series Succession. Oh yeah. Looks brilliant. Oh yeah. And I spoke to Elder Bro. Only yesterday, and he has seen a couple episodes, and he says it is wonderful. It's dude. gorgeous. Dude. It looks really great. Very, very good. For, um, I watched it again, actually. From the director of... The intro says... Moneyball. Really? I think. Yeah, like a very successful Hollywood film director. It, it mightn't be Moneyball. Um, or The Big Short. The Big Short. The director of The Big Short. Um, he's looking after this, and by all accounts, he's doing a tremendous job. It's great. Yeah. It's great. I've also been watching um, The Sons of Anarchy, as I spoke Yeah, you week. mentioned... How are you getting on with that? It's not bad, but genie macaronis. The, so in it, the Sons of Anarchy, they're basically their bike club in, in Redwood City, California. They yeah. run guns for the IRA. So the IRA are kind of in it, certainly the, the bit that I've seen. But they go to Belfast for a couple of episodes. They go, yeah, for a couple of pints. Stag they're, weekend, I think. Yeah, massive stag in Belfast. The accents are absolutely, unbelievably bad. Yeah, shocking. Like, just how they like they managed to... like. Hilarious! Like there's some scenes where it's like people like, we need you to go and kill him. But it's not even that good though. No, but that, it was actually Northern accents. But anyway, oh, it's right. the kind of ones where people are like leaning in, like in each other's ear in the pub, and your man, he I can't remember the name of the actor's name, but he's in loads of good movies, and he's supposed to be like the bad bad guy. He's like the bad guy from the IRA. Yeah, I remember him. Is the guy? He's a, a narrow, a, a slim man with curly dark grey oh, hair. Oh yeah, and he just has this whole. Like he talks like he's got a golf ball in his mouth, and it's just appalling. And your man Charlie Hunnam, the the lead character, or sorry, as we said last week, gorgeous, the lead, a beautiful man, Charlie Hunnam. He's the he's the leading actor here, um, in Sons of Anarchy, an Englishman who couldn't do an English accent in Green Street or Hooligans. What was that called? Green Street. Green Street couldn't do an English accent in that, and he really can't do an American accent in Sons of Anarchy. But yeah, you're referring to the piss- It's not piss poor Irish accents. Ah, oh, there's so and there's just so many of them. And it's like, why don't you just have people just speak normally and we'll just figure out that they're Irish? Mm. Rather than these Have you tried that coffee? It's alright. Yeah, there's about two tablespoons of coffee gone into each of these and it's like drinking gravy. Um but yeah, so bad. I, I was trying to think as well, other instances of bad accents, not just Irish accents. Irish accents in general, really hard to do, and what they do wrong and they don't get it right particularly in Ireland, is a lot of the accents are well like the diddly 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 holy diddly 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 Oh yeah. And it's like, Fine, this, is in, this is in, in, in Belfast. Like, they, possibly the easiest accents to do of all Irish accents is the Northern Irish accents because it's the harshest. Didn't Gerard Butter do... Gerard! Gerard! 
Gary Butler. Um, um, cousin of Stuart Butler. Uh, you'll remember him from a previous um, clip this week. Uh, the fellow who's had more hard times than hot dinners um, from the Irish. But he did, he did, he's Scottish and he still couldn't do it. Exactly. He was in one of um, Bertie's daughters, uh, Cecilia Ahern. P.S. I Love You. P.S. I Love You. The only movie I've ever been to where everyone was crying in the cinema. Really? Bizarre. Wow, yeah, but Jerry Butler... Um, that man tormented his wife from beyond the grave. What's that story? In, oh, in, the, in uh, the story. She's writing him notes. There is no closure for that woman. He drags her around the world with these notes. But he's dead or she's dead? She's dead. He's dead. And he sends her notes that are supposed to be romantic. He tortured that poor woman <laughs> for years after his death. Scumbag carry on. <laughs> Go on. Um, well, I watched something... Um, it's actually not a bad movie, but anyway. P.S. I love you. It's alright. Great book. Great little book. I would have done a lot of Cecilia's books. Um, really? No. I haven't read a single page of them. But what I watched this week, new to Netflix, you'll be delighted to hear. Um, Black Klansman. Yeah. Absolutely sensational bit of watching. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy this. To watch it. My attention span for watching movies, um, actually my attention span for doing anything, is middling. Um, at best. Try to have you strapped to the couch there to keep you down. Yeah, and the coffee's not helping. But, Black Klansman, I got through it with tremendous ease, enjoyed every minute of it. Um, uh, a Spike Lee, uh, a modern classic. So yeah, Spike Lee directed this in 2018. Available now on Netflix, Black Klansman. Um, the premise of the movie is as follows. A black man joins the Ku Klux Klan. <laughs> A premise which sounds so unlikely that it had to be based on a true story. And this story is taken from the 1970s memoir of an undercover police detective. Black Klansman the movie follows Ron Stallworth, the first African-American hired by the Colorado Springs Police Department. And after a small undercover success, he impulsively calls the local Ku Klux Klan. And after speaking to the Klan's grand wizard, David Duke... Um, the actor who plays David Duke in this does a, a brilliant job. Um, and you'll recognise him from that... This or that 70s show? Yeah, that's This or that 70s show? He read the dad. No, he's one of the... He's one of the, the kids. He's one of the younger guys in it. That makes you feel old. And um, he's brilliant in this. Um, actually, David Duke um, looks an awful lot like my brother with his, um, his moustache. Um, but anyway... So after speaking to the clan's grand wizard, David Duke, Ron jestingly announces to the man over the phone that he hates all non-white people and that he wants to join the organization. When he's invited to meet the clan in person, Ron must persuade fellow officer, a Jew, Flip Zimmerman, played uh, by your man Driver. What's his name? Adam uh, Driver. Adam Driver. Brilliant actor. Good actor. Was Brilliant. in the Marines as well. Interesting. And there's a, there was the, something about a marriage. There's a, something on Netflix. I haven't oh, seen marriage it. Marriage story. It, look a bit it looked like two couples fighting for two hours. Don't no, thank you. That's what it's about. But apparently, it's a, it's a very accurate um, and engrossing yeah, depiction but I, I, of I, modern uh, I, marital. But like, hopefully, we'll experience it myself. And I think once is enough. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Don't need to um, see a movie better. Go on. So Ron convinces his fellow officer Flip Zimmerman to play his white counterpart and essentially put a face to the verbal dealings Ron is having with the clan over the telephone. Hilarious and darkly comical, Nate writes, the flick also contains a creeping sense of dread. 
with Spike Lee mining the tension as the duo close in on their targets as well as the clan's ever-increasing suspicions surrounding the detective duo. Absolutely brilliant. You know that's Denzel Washington's son? Is it? Yeah. Spike, Denzel has been in... I thought that. So he, he's in a show called Ballers, which is like Andrage. It's a made American football uh-huh. franchise. Is uh, The Rock in that as well? He is. Okay. Uh, it's it's creepy, but he was in it. Uh, he played Ricky Jer in it. And, and he was very good. And I was like, that guy sounds an act so like Denzel Washington. It's his son. Denzel and Spike Lee have um, they've combined uh, multiple times in the past, um, and successfully so. I said before, Spike Lee has very weird movies. Though. Malcolm X. Malcolm X, yeah. Um, and Inside Man. Um, two movies that Denzel... Inside uh, Man is a shocking film. I like it. It's weird. I like it. Is that Ger- Gerard Butler as well? Gary... Mm, no, Clive Owen. Clive Owen. Yeah. Clive Owen. But that's Very it, nice. lads. Um, big shout out um, to The Black Clansman. Definitely worth a watch. And um, a thank you to... Um, busy underscore Mar um, on the Insta Google for that suggestion. Uh, thanks, Andy. Great movie. Uh, worth watching yourselves at home. And one more, lads. Um, I did an awful lot of work for you this week regarding um, Netflix suggestions. I watched the trailer um, for another one. The Nightingale. Another movie from 2018 and recently uploaded to the Netflix machine based in Tasmania. Where's Tasmania? South of Australia. Based in... Part Tas- of Australia, but it's not actually part of the continent of Australia. Sorry, the... Is it an island? It's off, it's off the yeah. coast. Right, okay. So based in Tasmania in 1825... Um, this tastes like feet, by the way. Yeah, it's not a great, uh, not a great cup of coffee. But anyway, 1925. Irish, 19 or 1825? 1825, thank you, Carl. 1825, Tasmania. Irish convict and indentured servant Claire is desperate to earn freedom from her abusive master, Lieutenant Hawkins. But when Hawkins and his fellow British soldiers commit a brutal and heinous crime against both Claire and her family, she enlists Aboriginal tracker Billy to pursue them in seek of a bloody revenge. And the reviews, I did a little bit of a Google. Sounds intense. It looks intense. Yeah. I did a little bit of a Google um, and the reviews for this are brilliant. Isn't Australia a mad country? Hey, that if we had, if the English hadn't decided just to colonise it, that it would just be people, Aboriginal people living there still. It'd be like this vast country that would be just... Occupied by, by native you. people, exactly who were just who were just quite happy to live off the land. And would the same sentiments not apply to United States? To the United States, had Mister Columbus just left them alone and uh, not arrived in India as he believed he had done? Is so. it crazy though, really? Yeah, maybe we should just cancel the countries. Just cancel both. I think there's there is there's absolutely there's just great knock down New York. There's, there's great cause for restarting again, lads. Yeah, um, start the whole thing again. Um, so Carl and I urge you um, to pull down local and national government, <laughs> um, defund the police, and um, whatever you do. You know, you have to figure out which one of us is related to Cain and which one is related to Abel, and then we're going to kill the other one. Exactly. If you're able to do that, lads, um, figure out who's Cain, who's Abel, and we can start again. Okay, lads, that's it now. Uh, you've had a week, another week of um, pub talk. Um, some really interesting articulate debating going on here I in Youngstown. So. Um, yeah, lads, look after yourselves. Um, enjoy the rest of your Sunday, and we'll be back with just tomorrow. And of course, the whole omnibus, of all the chats of the week, will be up on Spotify tonight or right now. 
right now. Yeah. Um, so you can listen to them all at your leisure as you do your washing this Sunday evening. Exactly. And lads, don't be afraid to like and comment and say hello. Um, and send us a few quid in the post as well. I buy Carl Sharp. doesn't. Um, and quite often Carl's looking after the uh, the Insta Google messaging. So um, go on ahead and say hello to Carlos. 